I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 28. I am sat on a rainy Wednesday afternoon in London, still in my dressing gown, having a lot of fun. Done a lot of research this morning, so hopefully this episode will be jam-packed full of stats and great stuff. Anyway, on today's episode, we're going to talk the news, and then we're going to move on to uh, today's topic. Uh, given that England are playing Germany, uh, I thought I'd look into why England lose um, or more prominently, why Germany are winning. And then we're going to finish off with a little bit of a roundup of Ligue 1, my, probably my favourite league uh, this season. There's some cracking talent over there, Monaco, Nice, Lyon, PSG, a wonderful league once again. But anyway, let's get this party started. So some sad news coming out of Liverpool today. Uh, Liverpool legend uh, Ronnie Moran passed away, unfortunately. Uh, a player that was um, you know, regarded as a decent left-back in his day, won the league title in 1963-64 First Division um, and was part of the famous boot room of Bill Shankney, Fagan, Bob Paisley and Ruben Bennett. In terms of when he was um, at Liverpool as part of the backroom staff, be it a coach, assistant, Liverpool won 11 First Division titles, four European Cups, four FA Cups, four League Cups, two UEFA Cups and a Super Cup. A Liverpool legend and you know, consult- condolences go out to Liverpool fans of Liverpool and of course his family. Moving on to other news, RB Leipzig have um, 5.2 million euros worth of liabilities to Red Bull, which could potentially get them in trouble with UEFA um, and the financial fair play agreement. Obviously, you're not allowed to outspend what you're bringing in. And unfortunately, with Leipzig coming up from the lower divisions, that potentially has stacked up. In other news, Ryan Bartra and (laughs) I said it again. I said it again. I've been thinking about this all day. It's Mark Bartra, Mark Bartra, Mark Bartra. And I just said Ryan. Jesus, I need to have a word of this. But anyway, Mark Bartra and Ika Casillas having a bit of banter on Instagram and Twitter uh, yesterday with um, Ika Casillas jumping into a, to Mark's... Um, Instagram live video uh, that he was doing and asking him whether he'd caught Gareth Bale yet, referring to the moment where Gareth Bale uh, scored a wonderful individual goal against Barcelona, um, where he pretty much ran off the pitch, ran round Bartra and then put the ball into the back of that fantastic goal that gave Real Madrid the win. Um, and of course, uh, a little bit of an insult there as he caught him because he absolutely burnt him to shreds with his pace. Uh, 
Bartra responding today on Twitter, asking him whether he'd caught the ball yet and he'd uh, taken a picture of a goal that he'd scored against Ike Casillas for Barcelona. Great bit of fun there. A little story that I sort of um, fell on as well was the story of why Mourinho and Casillas apparently fell out. And it goes back to the Spanish national team where apparently Casillas was trying to build the bridges back uh, between Barcelona and Real Madrid players, uh, given their success. Uh, at the World Cup and the European Championships, the the divide had been pulled apart by Mourinho's ways. You know, very aggressive, very full front, trying to know that siege mentality at Real Madrid. So some of the Spanish players did fall out. So apparently that's why one of the reasons why Casillas did fall out with um, Mourinho and didn't actually know that that he was the guy trying to build the gap in the national team. But anyway, moving on to more national team stuff. I think we're going to talk about England and Germany. So England faced Germany in a friendly. Um, this evening, uh, I don't think I'm going to be watching it. I may catch the highlights, but for me, international football is probably at my least of my priorities. I'm a massive fan of the, the Champions League and the European top five leagues. I kind of take the international break as a bit of a time off, you know, to spend some time with the family and the girlfriend. Uh, but I will give you a little bit of analysis on that, on the, the highlights that I do catch. But what sort of got me to making this little section? I was struggling this morning thinking about what I actually wanted to talk about in football. Um, and a fantastic stat uh, was tweeted last night by uh, one of the reporters for the BT Sport European Football Show, Archie uh, Ryan Toot. Go and check him out on Twitter. He's got some absolute banging stats. So he tweeted out uh, the difference in appearances between the England under-21 squad and the Germany under-21 squad in terms of appearances in the Premier League for the England players and the Bundesliga for the German players. And the difference was absolutely incredible. With this England under-21 squad, they've had a combined 206 Premier League appearances between them. Compare that to the German under-21 squad that's had a combined Bundesliga appearances of 1,137 minutes. That is ridiculous. That margin is so stupid. And it shows, it kind of shows and highlights why Germany are doing so well at the moment because they're giving their young players time in their top division. So I kind of wanted to look into why England have been consistently losing at international level and, and or more um, more honestly, why Germany are continually winning. Uh, first up, let's take you back to 2001, where England beat Germany 5-1 um, at the Olympic Stadion in um, Munich, uh, a game that was seen as a turning point for German football and a real uh, winning point for English football. Uh, England had, uh, you know, a very decent team out there with Gary Neville, players like uh, Gerard, Rio Ferdinand, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Michael Owen grabbed the hat-trick that evening, um, and Heskey as well. And the German squad was pretty decent, some players in there that you'll have recognised, you know, players like Michael Ballack, uh, Christian Janke, uh, Oliver Neuveld, um, Dietmar Hamann, uh, to name a few. But this was the real turning point for German football. So Joachim Lowe made some great comments after the uh, World Cup win in 2014 about that time. After 2000 and 2004, we were pretty much down as a nation. We may have got to the World Cup final in 2002, but we went out of the group stages in both the Euros, and we realised we really needed to do something and took some decisive steps. So the problem with that German, uh, you know, sort of squad around there is they had players that were, were quite poor. They, they uh, naturalised two strikers, one being Sean Dundee and Brazilian Paulo Rick to bring the squad together in 2004. They were in dismay. They got absolutely hammered by England. And as um, Joaquim Lowe mentioned there, the Euros in 2004, they were eliminated at the group stages. So they were in a real turning point in that time um, and they had to do something about it. They weren't you know, bringing through the, the same level of players that we'd seen before. They were talk about the German 
Germany's making too many defensive players and the rest of the world catching up with Germany and being winners, being effective uh, players at the international level. And Germany realised they needed to take that extra level. They needed to be technical. They needed to bring through players that both had a technical um, and tactical understanding of the game. So the steps that they took to get back to the top, and obviously this ended up in the great lifting of the trophy of the World Cup in 2014, which arguably was 10 years work, or maybe even 12, 14 years work from 2000. So in 2000, um, Germany, the DFB uh, and the DFL, the two unions of the German Football League, decided to um, bring a program into play, which is called the Extended Talent Promotion Program which was launched in 2002. It said that every professional club in the country had to build or maintain a centre of excellence to nurture talent. By what they meant were the centre of uh, excellence was to bring through these young players, to work on them in both a, a technical, a tactical, uh, an enjoyment and a psychological way. This meant that every Bundesliga club or every club in the foot German football uh, division to be a professional club had to have one of these centres of excellence. This was a great turning point for me. This gave Germany a great standpoint. Over the whole of uh, Germany, they had 45 centres of excellence, employing around uh, 200 full-time coaches. And this was a requirement, so German clubs couldn't get a Bundesliga license if they didn't adhere to this acquiring. The league was setting the standard. You go back to the, the, the big rules in Germany that's uh, you know in the media at the moment, the 50 plus one rule to keep ownership uh, with the uh, shareholders, not with uh, you know external influences. It's a similar rule to that. If you don't have a centre of excellence, we won't give you a Bundesliga license. And it was a great method of getting um, clubs to focus on developing young players. But also these clubs had to adhere to certain rules. They had to employ a certain number of coaches, a certain number of physios, a certain number of um, their players they had to be pushing through to the national team for selection. It was all geared towards producing talent. And it's a complete counter to what England have been doing over the last few years. You know, they, they took a stab in 2012 with this elite player performance plan where you'd have cat Category 1 teams and Category 2 teams. Category 1 teams had to adhere to certain uh, laws and legislation in terms of what they had to uh, put in. But this was all Premier League. This is all Premier League driven, not FA driven. The complete flip that the German, uh, you know, the German national organisation was setting the standard, was setting the rules. They were setting what they needed to do. Because of the money coming into England from the Premier League, the FA no longer have this standpoint. And I'd argue that this um, Category 1, Category 2 thing, in fact, wasn't a play to develop players, but was to basically set legislation out so a transfer system could be worked out. In terms of transfers, what I mentioned, um, players that are developed at clubs will do get compensation. And it's worked out by a, a system where they produce by a Cat 1 team, a Cat 2 team, a Cat 3 team, a Cat 4 team. And then it's worked out on how many, uh, you know, how many years they've spent at that club um, and so forth. And for me, that is all what this this player performance, elite player performance plan has done is set out a, a tariff, let's call it. That's what they call it. It's a tariff. And it doesn't look at actually how we're going to develop these players, but more importantly, how we're going to develop these coaches. Another thing that Germany have done so well, if we compare the number of coaches with uh, UEFA B, UEFA A and pro, pro licenses in England and Germany, it's just disgraceful reading. In Germany, there's 21,730. 31 uh, UEFA B coaches registered with um, UEFA, obviously. In England, 9,548. So Germany is almost nearly tripling what England are producing at a coaching level. We look at UEFA A, uh, 5,633 coaches in Germany. In England, 1,190. You know, these numbers are, are ridiculous. In fact, Austria, the Czech Republic, Poland have more UEFA A coaches than England. If you want to produce talent, you've got to 
you've got to educate these coaches. You've got to make coaches that can teach these players to go. And if we look at the, the amount of coaches with pro licenses, in Germany, 1,304. In England, 205. It's damning figures. Absolutely damning figures from the FA. This, this centre of excellence um, mindset that Germany put through wasn't just for the players, but it was educating these coaches to be able to teach these players what, you know, what was what. In the, in the world of football. And that's a big thing that Germany focus on in, since the early 2000s. And England are so far behind of that. One big thing I want to get into in life, I've you know been thinking recently what I want to do. Do I want to you know go into the media? Do I want to go into work for a professional club? My dream is to win the Champions League as a manager, as a coach, as an assistant coach. No, that is my dream. That's what I want to do. That is a, a, a goal of my life. And, and looking at that, one thing that I need to do, I watch a lot of football, I do a lot of analysis on football, but coaching wise, I need to get my coaching qualifications, I need to get the experience to coach, to game manage at that team level. Yes, I could sit behind a desk, I can watch a TV screen and say, yeah, you know, you should take off your left back here, bring on a left midfielder, attack them down the right hand side and overload it, you know, switch it to the left at the end and overload it. I can make those statements, but I need that qualification. So again, going back to the number of coaches is ridiculous, but also becoming a coach is very, very expensive in the UK. It costs nearly around £4,000 to become a UEFA A license in the UK. The level one is £152, the level two is £320, UEFA B is £720, and the UEFA A license is £2,965. If that wasn't a turn off, turn off enough, in Germany, the UEFA A course costs €800. Euros. It's ridiculous. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That barrier to entry is absolutely stupid. And to flip that, think about how poor Scotland have done both uh, the domestic league in terms of how they've com competed in the Champions League, Europa League, but also in terms of Scotland getting to failing to qualify for the last eight 
consecutive tournaments. Their coaching qualification to get the UEFA A, in fact, is £5,000, 25% higher than the uh, than doing it with the FA, which again is ridiculous. And you can see why they're not producing players, because they're not producing coaches. And this is the age-old argument that I always go with, that if you don't produce your coaches, you don't produce your players. And Germany is a great example that have used these school of excellencies that force the, the clubs, the Bundesliga clubs, to produce these talented players. And again, it goes back to another interesting part. So you go going back to our original point of discussion, which is Archie's tweet, um, that the number of uh, appearances in for the England under-21s has been 206 in terms of the Premier League appearances within that squad compared to the 1,137 Bundesliga appearances in the German under-21 squad. We look at those squads and the golf in, in ability is ridiculous. You look at the best players in the German squad right now, right? Okay, so we're going to go through this. Um, let's start at uh, centre-back, let's say, Matthias Ginter. Uh, at full-back, you've got Bendrick Hendricks, who's won more tackles than any other player in the Champions League this season. Uh, incredible for a 19-year-old. Then you go into midfield, you've got players like Max Myler, Goretzka, Dahoud, who's pulled out of the squad with injury, Amiri, who's played for Hoffenheim that we spoke about yesterday, Max Arnold, that has been bossing the Wolfsburg midfield for a number of years. You flip that to the England squad. You've got players that play at championship level. You've got players that play, um, well, they're out at loan. You've got players that don't get into the Chelsea team. You know, you've got uh, Loftus-Cheek in central midfield. Lewis Baker, who's been shunted out to Vitesse. Um, Will Hughes, who's had a bit of a, who's had the potential, but, you know, pit injuries um, have cost him his career so far. But playing at championship level for Derby County, um, you know, players like Jack Grealish, who's made the most of the pit Premier League appearances out of this squad. Jack Grealish is a player that, has got a mentality of a slug in terms of his work rate, in terms of getting to where he wants to go, going out on the piss after games. Absolutely pathetic. Um, and then going forward to probably the most notable player in the squad, Dimari Gray. You know, compare that to the likes of Max Myler that's been playing for Schalke for three seasons at the top level of the Bundesliga. We're really seeing why there is this gulf of talent. On the flip side of that, let's look to the, the uh, England players that are under 23, that, that are eligible for this under 21 squad. We've got players like Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, Deli Ali, John Stones, uh, Luke Shaw and James Ward-Prowse. Some top quality players there. But you compare that to the under 23 players that are in the Germany squad. Uh, Come on, it's a joke. Joshua Kimmich. Julian Weigel, Nicolas Schuller, Julian Brandt, Timo Werner and Leroy Sana. These are players that could command £50 million transfer fees. Yet, John, um, you could say Raheem Sterling, Deli Alli, potentially uh, you know, John Stones as well. Some of those players could get to that level, but you compare them direct for direct. Would you rather have um, Joshua Kimmich or someone like Ward Prowse? Kimmich is getting that shout. You know, Julian Weigel, Deli Alli. Different player, obviously, but I'd probably go with Julian Weigel. Or maybe a, a Julian Brandt is a better comparison to Deli Alli and players like Ryan Sterling. But the, the, the comparison of, of skills and ability overall in the under-21 squads is ridiculous. There's such a gulf there and it really shows this is supposed to be the level before they get to the first team. The level before they're playing for England. And it's, you're not getting the, the time in the Premier League to really play because of the foreign money, because of the thing that I mentioned before, with the FA really control, the, sorry, the Premier League really controlling what the FA are doing in terms of their, their decisions. And until that's changed, until the FA sort out the coaching problem. Another big thing, you know, going back to what I want to do, I want to be a coach. The, the FA's website is absolutely awful. To, to, find, to find a coaching course, it, you have to jump through so many hoops. You have to make it easy. The website is a mixture of 404 errors, broken links and broken images. It's pathetic for a national organisation that gets X amount of funding. What the hell are they doing? 
absolutely ridiculous. But in a way, um, I look to find a level one course to get onto the coaching ladder. It's going to cost me £152. I'm going to have to pay that because the FA is a joke. But there's no courses in London for the next year that advertise on their website. What is that about? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And until England sort out youth coaching, coaching, and then they can start sorting out the, the FA clubs and then producing the players, there's going to be a gulf in international quality in English players and we're not going to get the players that we should be getting in the Premier League, whether there is a you know a quota system we can get with Premier League clubs, what they need to produce to force them to put these players into the starting level. Because I'd argue some of these players that are coming through at these English academies are easily uh, you know at the same level as our German counterparts. You know, there are technically... On the technical side, yeah, the German guys are a bit better because of the coaching level, but they'd still have that potential. And I feel it's, you know, it's just unlocking that potential and the coaching, the qualifications and so forth is a big, big part. Just to finish us off, let's talk about the, the Belgium League, who today are thinking about investing 1 million, uh, 1 million euros in TV money for a homegrown talent bonus based on minutes to encourage youth development. If that if that Premier League, uh, Belgium idea was translated to the Premier League, that'd be around £20 million worth of bonus divided up into f- five teams with the most minutes of homegrown talent. That could be a fantastic idea, but of course the Premier League is all about selling rights and selling money. Unfortunately, the beast that we have created over in Eng- England. Anyway, if you've enjoyed this little section on the um, on the little coaching uh, England versus Germany England's problems uh, why England always lose and why Germany are always winning please tweet me at Statman Dave uh, give me the thumbs up just the thumbs up emoji so I can count the likes and the love but anyway guys moving on to the last little point of today's podcast of course we've got to talk about Ligue 1 been a fantastic league this season in Liga. Monaco, my favourite, one of my favourite teams in Europe this season, playing combative 4-4-2. Uh, Leonardo Yardim has got them drilled to a T. The 4-4-2 transitions to pretty much a, uh, let's say, a 2-2-4-2 formation with the, the fullbacks getting really high. The likes of uh, Mendy, Sidibe, um, Torre getting really high and grabbing those assists. The wide players come inside and open up that space. You know, it does look like a, almost a square in central midfield with Bakayoko of Fabinho holding and then the two, Bernardo Silva, uh, Lamar coming inside and being those playmakers. But up front as well, Mbappe and Falcao, such talent, but also Germain's work rate and so forth. Two centre-backs that are very good as well. Monaco's system this season is so good. We've seen in the Champions League that 5-3 uh, defeat against Manchester City, then taking them home and battering them again. That has been Monaco this season so quick on the counter-attack so quick on the transition they've scored more goals than any other side in Europe so they have been an absolute breath of fresh air this season Strange how it's taken Yardim a bit of time. You know, his, his Monaco team pre this season were a very defensively well set up team. He's obviously changed it up a little bit. He was playing a 4-4-1-1 before. Now it is switched to a pretty much a 4-4-2 with two strikers. There's arguably got him this platform to create these goals and score these goals. You know, key, key players in there. And I mentioned the two central midfielders, Bakayoko and Fabinho, arguably in the two best central midfield pairing in the world this season. Uh, Bakayoko, in fact, uh, has won 100 and, 59 tackles in the last uh, two seasons in the league. No players won more. Bakayoko, a great sort of shuttling central midfielder, uses his power to uh, you know break teams down and get Monaco sort of started on the counter attack. In terms of PSG, they've let themselves down this season, been really inconsistent in league. Lyon as well started very poor, uh, and Nice who started very well and they've dropped out um, under the great Favre. But anyway, that's the top four. I reckon it's going to be Monaco, top PSG in second. Lyon, I reckon, will pick Nice to the third automatic Champions League qualifying position. And Nice will go through um, to qualify for the Champions League with the likes of uh, Pierre, who's had a great season. And, uh, you know, obviously Mario Balotelli being in and out and having a good time. Anyway, in terms of um, the most valuable player this season, 
I think I might give it for to uh, Fabinho just for his control in central midfield and how good he has been at linking this Monaco side, his, his awareness at holding, his awareness at breaking forward. And in terms of penalties, he's got the best run of scoring penalties in Liga since 2013. Uh, back-to-back goals going in for penalties. He's probably one of the best penalty takers in world football, so good at cannoning the ball in. In terms of the hot prospect, the best player, young player uh, in Liga this season, we've got a look, we'll talk about uh, Kian Mbappe. It's been so, so good. A breath of fresh air, 18 years old. This season, um, he's played 32 games, scored 19 goals and got 7 assists. He's been directly involved in a goal every 64 minutes. That is incredible statistics. In terms of his record versus 18-year-olds in Europe's top five leagues, he scored 12 goals in Liga this season. That's seven more than any other player under 19 has managed. If we extrapolate uh, Mbappe's data, if Monaco win the quadruple this season, Mbappe could finish on 29 goals in 49 games. If we work that out, um, Monaco potentially could play uh, five games in the Champions Champions League, three in the Coupe de France, one in the Coupe de Ligue and eight in Ligue 1. So his goal scoring uh, record at the moment is 19 in 32, which works out at 0.59 goals per game, which multiplied by the 49 games that he could play gives him 29 goals. That would be absolutely incredible. Some of the records that he beat, um, Henri records that he beat at Monaco, he's the youngest ever player at 16 years and 347 days. He's the youngest ever goal scorer, 17 years and 62 days, um, and has just been absolutely incredible. In terms of comparisons with Anthony Martial as well, Martial scored 15 goals in 70 games for Monaco. Um, um, it took Mbappe 30 goals to score 16 and beating that record. But of course, Anthony Martial played left midfield for Monaco like he has done a little bit for Manchester United, played a few times through the middle. But anyway, that's enough of Mbappe. What a what a superstar. What a wonder kid coming through. In terms of the breakout player for um, Ligue 1 this season, it's going to go to Morgan Sessegnon, who's grabbed 11 assists in Ligue 1 this season. That's three more than any other player. In terms of what he does, you know, he started at Montpellier playing central midfield um, and has moved on to Marseille. Uh, you know, his assist rate is, is continuing he's grabbed four assists since moving to Marseille plays a central midfield it's sort of a drifting central midfielder playmaker gets into the crossing areas whether it's on the left hand side or right hand side and whips the ball into the box and a lot of his assists come from that way but they've all come from open play so he's a very creative player in terms of relegation I'm going to go with Dijon, Nancy and Bastia um, I think the Corsicans are absolutely ruined Nancy are in bad form so Dijon I kind of expect Lorient uh, to shoot up the table they had a really good result against Nancy recently they've beaten 3-2 in the league and I feel that like momentum could pull them up Lorient are a great team they're a little bit like built on the Leon model where they sign players from Africa and uh, less known leagues and uh, you know push them through uh, to you know, get the results and obviously this season's been a, a bad season. They sat their manager and they brought a new guy in so I expect uh, Lorient to go through if you want to, you know, pick up some money at the bookies, get Lorient and staying up in Liga. But anyway, guys, that's been that for episode 28 of the Statman Dave Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Sorry about the ranting, the raving, about coaching, about England and why they're so rubbish but I think it had to be said. If you've uh, not subscribed to the Statman Day Football Podcast, please do that on iTunes. And of course, check my content out on YouTube. That is absolutely great. I've got some talking points from Manchester United versus the great Middlesbrough. That was dropped last night, so make sure you go and check that as well. And there'll be some content on the front three about Internacional that should be dropping either tonight or tomorrow. But anyway, see you later. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Where we're going to have some more football chat and some great stuff. Anyway, over and out. Statman Dave, see you later.